Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Yes, a very good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day, the Thursday night edition. You're with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. Still recovering from the events of last night. Uh, what a, a night of celebration it was for Australian football. And deep down inside, I don't think any of us, including myself, would have thought that Australia would have progressed to the last 16. It all started off. There's 200 nations, basically, that all try to qualify for the World Cup. And right around the world, 200 nations. And now Australia is sitting in the final 16 of the 200. So that gives you an idea of the magnitude of what they achieved last night. And on their way through, they got rid of one of the leading African nations in Tunisia. And the nation that's ranked 10th in the world of those 200 nations, Denmark. So it's no mean feat. And they talk about a golden generation of 2006 and all those magnificent players that were playing in the top leagues. The old DNA Australian spirit certainly came to the fore last night. Sure, they had to withstand some, some real dominance from the Danes. But in the end, it's the only game that is the round ball football, soccer as we term it, where you can still dominate the game but lose. And I've always said to people that haven't got an understanding of football, uh, the international football and the real football, is that you can dominate a game for 99% of the time and still lose. Because you can go up once, get fouled up in the penalty area and score a penalty and you win. Uh, any other sport, when you have that much domination, like in Australian rules football, if you have domination of 90% of the game, you probably win by 25 goals. So that's the difference. And that's why everybody was on a knife's edge last night. And that was the same, the previous game against Tunisia. And the beauty of the Australian performance last night is that it was two clean sheets. They did not concede a goal against some very good opposition. And people may have doubted Tunisia's standing against Australia. Well, Tunisia last night, and I was involved in the dual broadcast last night, were very good against France, the world champions. They beat them by one goal to nil. And people may have said the, uh, the French put in, a, uh, in some ways, a secondary team in the first half. But in the second half, Griezmann, Mbappe, Dembele, they were all there trying to score and they just couldn't. Fascinating night last night, and now it is Sunday morning. The game gets underway at 3 o'clock our time, and I see all these live sites are popping up now around capital cities in Australia. We've seen those incredible scenes at Federation Square and what transpired last night. People coming out in the cloak of darkness in the middle of the night over there to see the Socceroos do their business. It kicked off at 2 o'clock in the morning in Melbourne, and there were thousands at Federation Square. And Basil Zemplis, the Lord Mayor of Perth, announced a couple of hours ago that there will be a live site at the Northbridge Piazza. And it gets underway at 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. I reckon there'll be a few rowdies because they've probably gone out for a night out in Northbridge and thought to themselves, we might hang around till 3 o'clock and see how the Socceroos go. And they take on Argentina, which is going to be... A huge, huge task. But saying that, 
as I mentioned at the top, uh, anything's possible when the ball is round and uh, you've got to get the ball into the back of the net. And sometimes you hit cross paths. Sometimes, for whatever reason, you miss penalties. Uh, anything can happen. And we've seen that certainly in the last uh, few days with the Socceroos. Uh, amazing scenes and certainly all of Australia is celebrating at the moment. Let's have a look at the cricket, which has been on down there at the Perth Stadium, Optus Stadium. Australia just absolutely having a real run feast against the West Indies. I tell you what, David Warner must be feeling uh, pretty down because he's probably thinking, I could have got amongst the runs when you consider what his teammates produced yesterday and today. Warner, as we know, was the first man out for five. But since then, we saw Kawaja mate 65 yesterday. Today, Manus Labashain was out for 204 off, and he stayed there for 481 minutes, hit 24s and 1-6. And they declared when Steve Smith posted his 200. So there was two double centuries in Australia's first innings at total, which was quite incredible, of four for 598. And Travis Head fell one short of making a century. He was bowled by Brathwaite for 99. I think he chopped it onto his stumps. So bad luck there to Travis Head, who's been in exceptional form. We saw that in the ODI series for Australia. So we had Labuschagne, 204. Smith, Steve Smith, 200 not out. Travis Head made 99. And Usman Khawaja, 65. Cameron Green, who was looking forward to taking part in his first ever test match at home here at Optus Stadium to this point in time after two days didn't get a bat and I don't think he's had a bowl either as I checked the West Indies innings West Indies none for 74 hasn't had a bowl either so for two days he hasn't been involved other than maybe picking up a few balls uh, in the outfield but anyway West Indies none for 74 so they've started very well Brathwaite is on 18 and Chanderpaul has been aggressive he's hit 47 so that is the stump score in the match at Optus Stadium, and it will continue tomorrow. But let's go and also better update what's happening with the Wildcats as well, because they're in action in Brisbane against the Brisbane Bullets, who, of course, got rid of their coach during the course of the week. And often when that happens, uh, teams often uh, bounce back, and they have bounced back, the Brisbane Bullets. Six minutes into the final quarter, and the Bullets lead the Wildcats by 84-77. to 84-77. All right, let's look back at uh, what was a, a great event uh, early, early hours of this morning with Australia beating, as we mentioned, Denmark by one goal to nil. Here's Graham Arnold and a bit of the press conference post-match. I'm just so proud of the players, the work ethic, the commitment, the fight that they had and uh, the way they played. You know, uh, Denmark are a very good team. They're, you know, top 10 in the world for a reason. And they've got uh, high-quality players that play in top leagues around the world. And, uh, you know, we had some moments there. But, uh, you know, defensively, I thought uh, we were outstanding tonight. I said exactly the same because I truly believe, you know, you look at uh, Japan, you look at Saudi and <clears throat> you look at underdogs and they achieve something, they, they get a great result and then... You know, they, uh, they're celebrating and they're very emotional. And uh, again, I hate saying this, but then they're on social media till four or five in the morning reading all these comments and pats on the back and all that stuff where, you know, um, I've been in the game and been around long enough to know that uh, the most important thing is, is, is recovery, sleep, and, uh, and uh, you know, making sure that uh, you do everything ready uh, to get yourself ready for the next game. And... Uh, 
you know, I felt that uh, you could see a little bit of fatigue the first 15 minutes, um, and but then the boys got going, and uh, by the end uh, we ran all over top of them. I felt. Graham Arnold, part of the press conference post-match, uh, doing an exceptional job, and certainly uh, he's uh, increased his well potential, if you can term it that way, for a longer contract as coach of the Socceroos. And maybe like Ange Postacoglu, he may be sought out for a position with a, a European or an overseas club. So we'll have to wait and see what comes post-World Cup for Graham Arnold. Now, like with SEN, we're broadcasting every match of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. And so are overseas networks. They're not just calling their nation. They are calling every game as well. Have a listen to the Spanish commentary team calling the Australian goal last night from Matthew Leckie. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, and you've got that long goal that goes on forever, which is very indicative, particularly in South America and the Spanish-speaking countries in South America. And the commentator got very excited. As I said, they are not just covering Spain. They are covering every game, all these overseas network. And the media contingent at this World Cup is not in the hundreds. It is in the thousands uh, that are involved. There is commentary teams from every part of the world. And even if your nation's not involved with the World Cup, uh, there's still uh, journalists and commentators from those countries as well. Speaking about Matthew Leckie, he was up against, again post-match, and the hero and the goal scorer from last night said this. Yeah, um, proud, um, exhausted, everything. I think uh, it's hard to put into or to describe the, the emotions right now. We always knew we could do it. We believed as a group. Um, we had our doubters, but, um, you know, with our spirit, our belief, our... Um, work ethic and how, how close we are as a group it shows on the pitch and you know that last 15 20 minutes we battled until the end um and it didn't matter what they threw at us we weren't letting us uh we weren't conceding so so proud but again uh we'll make the most of it tonight but then it's all about recovery because uh you know obviously we've got another game coming up what was going through your mind as you were bearing down on goal yeah, I think uh, in those moments you don't really think too much or you don't have time to think. You know, it happened so fast and obviously, uh, you know, it was obviously a great ball and uh, I knew I had one more man to beat. Uh, at first I wanted to cut in and then he sort of went that way and I went back the other way. Um, and yeah, low and hard, uh, you know, it's difficult for a keeper to save. And as the ball was rolling in, I saw it was going in. I was uh, so excited and so happy. And what was going through your mind as the ball rolled in? I think by the celebration you see how much uh, emotion there was. Um, just so proud, you know, we've worked so hard and, you know, I've, this is my third World Cup now and I've had my chances uh, in previous World Cups to, to score. It uh, wasn't meant to be uh, and my first World Cup is probably one of the most important goals uh, for me and for the team. Matthew Leckie scored that great goal, and it was a terrific goal, uh, getting past a couple of players and then putting it into the bottom right-hand corner of the net uh, with the goalkeeper, the Danish goalkeeper, not quite able to get there to collect it. So great goal, and then, of course, Australia hanging on 
to record that 1-0 victory. It's a special uh, sort of Socceroos edition here on Sports Day tonight with Peter Vlahos. After the break, I'll speak to a man that is also part of the SEN commentary team. We've been working on the World Cup together, but he was there in 2010 when the Socceroos played in South Africa. He's played in the Premier League. He knows what professional footballers are, are thinking at the moment, and he knows what the Australians would be thinking heading into that last 16 game against Argentina on Sunday morning. We'll speak to Richard Garcia next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. It's a special uh, World Cup edition, Soccer's edition here on uh, Sports Day tonight with Peter Vlahos. Great to have your company. Well, a man that's been working on the World Cup with me for S- the SEN Network throughout Australia and New Zealand is a man that was part of the Socceroos in 2010 and an outstanding footballer in his time, of course, played in the Premier League with distinction with a couple of clubs, West Ham and Hull, and was one of the great uh, exports when it came to football from Western Australia. And a man that last night had a bigger event on than the Socceroos winning. It was his daughter's 11th birthday, which in the end was bigger than the Socceroos win over Denmark. Richard Garcia, thanks for joining us. Good evening, Peter. How are you? Have you recovered from the birthday? Not the soccer, but have you recovered from the birthday? (laughs) Uh, The birthday was great, uh, but the Socceroos was even better. (laughs) Don't let your 11-year-old hear that. Saying that, yeah, we were working last night. We were hanging on the edge of our seats, hoping, hoping, of course, that Denmark wouldn't equalise because Tunisia are on their way to a 1-0 win over France. It was ebbing and flowing. Tunisia, of course, scored the goal in the 58th minute. They were in second position. Then Australia scored two minutes later. They went into second position and then we were just hanging on, weren't we? It was a, a frantic night. Yeah, we definitely were. And I thought when France had scored that that late, late equaliser, I thought, you know, it's, it's definitely ours. And, uh, yeah, look, I th- what, a, what a fantastic night. It was uh, full of emotion. Um, and what a fantastic result for the Socceroos. Fantastic for, for, for football in Australia. Well, as you can see, the scenes around the country have been incredible, including Federation Square in Melbourne. Now we've got a live site uh, happening at the Northbridge uh, Piazza on Sunday morning at three o'clock when Australia take on Argentina. We'll come back to that in a moment. But, you know, Richard, you've been a, a football professional for nearly all your life. Uh, now I've come back to Perth, of course, starting a family and you, with your family and, and looking at other aspects of your professional career. But saying that, you've got the, the mindset of what professional footballers would be going through right now. Did you honestly feel with this current squad, like so many, that the Socceroos would progress to this stage? Uh, look, I think everyone had their doubts about the the squad and, and probably the quality within the squad um, with not a lot of players playing over in Europe and um, not in the top leagues uh, in Europe. But the one thing that they did have um, and they, they still possess and that's something that Graham Arnold has, has worked very, very hard on um, and, and knowing that from an inside track um, is, is about the core beliefs of the group and about the mentality of the group. And, and really you can see it that there's a whole group of people there pulling in the same direction and willing to run through brick walls for each other. And that, and that's the secret to their success. You know, you could just tell 
when it comes to the dying minutes, that this team will go that extra mile to help each other out. And that, that's what wins you things. You mentioned a good comment last night. You reckon the Socceroos are one big family. Have you been involved in football teams where all everybody comes together from the coach, the support staff and the players and you achieve results that not many people expect? Uh, definitely. I think that, you know, every every winning team has an element of that. Um, you know, I think as, as people in general, you don't have to sort of... Um, be best of friends, but you need to be able to respect the people that you work with and you need to be able to respect what they bring to the table um, when it comes to the success of the group. And if everyone if everyone adds to that and brings their best to the group and they're not looking for their own um, for their own goals, but for the goals of the group, then it tends to have that successful pattern to it. And, and in the end, people get what they want by striving for the team. So Every, every successful team that I've been a part of has had those elements in it. So, yeah, it's definitely a huge part. It's interesting just reading the uh, fallout to that result last night and what uh, the Socceroos have achieved so far. Uh, it's an Aussie coach in charge. You know, there was a goose hitting and now there's very celebrated coaches uh, from overseas uh, that were in charge of the Socceroos in previous World Cups. We talked about the golden generation of 2006. Hus Hiddink, of course, was the the coach then, as we mentioned, a very celebrated individual. Yet, the 2022 World Cup Socceroos have now emulated the feats of 2006 with an Aussie coach. Is there something to be said about coaches and maybe an Australian t- being in charge of uh, his own stock? I, de- I definitely feel that that is um, a, a very big very big selling point uh, for Australian coaches. Um, Arnie's done fantastic and, and, and I feel also he had the he's had the benefit of that experience as well. You know, he, he was part of that, that group that went to 2006 and he was part of that coaching staff uh, and he's, he's had a lot of experience in around in and around the international setup, and you know we were speaking about it last night that he was sort of on the brink of of possibly being relieved of his duties, and you know sometimes it takes coaches uh, a little bit longer to be able to put what their plans are in place, and and I, and I feel that um, he's just shown that you know I think he's just shown that uh, what he planned to to achieve has has now come come good and the group is actually firing and, and ready to go for, for the next game against Argentina which will be an absolute massive game I know you speak Spanish very well, I played a bit earlier on but I've just thought to myself, I'm going to play it again for you to have a listen, as I mentioned you know, broadcasters come from the length and breadth of the planet to the World Cup and the Spanish broadcast team don't just broadcast Spanish matches, they broadcast like we do every single World Cup match, now Richie, have a listen to this, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about this commentary. This is the Spanish host broadcaster calling Matthew Lecky's goal last night. Have a listen. How'd you find that, uh, Richard Garcia? 
Well, you know, if a goal goes in tonight, I'll, I'll, I'll be trying to emulate that. <laughs> <laughs> but they do it, don't they? You know, they, yeah, the Spanish-speaking uh, commentators, we see it a lot in South American football, in Argentina and Chile and those sort of nations. No doubt it happens in Spain. They really drag out the goal. Uh, is there any reason for that, or is it just the way they broadcast? I think it's just the way that they broadcast, and I think it's it's just to give the emotion to the game because I, I feel like, you know, when you're in the stands, what's everyone saying in the in the crowd? They're all saying goal. You know, they're all screaming yes or goal or, you know, celebrating. So I think it's their way of celebrating um, the goal. Anyway, those Spanish commentators were very happy Australia scored. The only two things I could understand in that, Richie, was Matthew Leckie and goal, and no doubt you could understand everything else. Speaking of Spanish-speaking individuals, uh, Argentina taking on Australia. Now, Lionel Messi will be there. It's interesting when you... And I read Argentina's manager uh, thinks that Argentina are not favourites for this match because he's been very impressed with Australia, the fact that they've kept clean sheets and they've knocked over some serious opposition with Tunisia and Denmark. But in reality, this is going to be a significant challenge on Sunday morning our time. Argentina, pre-tournament, were considered one of the favourites to take it out. Yeah, I, I think him uh, saying that they're not the favourites is, uh, is a bit of mind games. But I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive, massive ask uh, to, to beat the Argentinians. And I feel that um, the guys can hold their head up high and just go out there and play their game. And if they continue to, to play um, the way they have been playing, you know, who knows? It, it is the World Cup. It is, it is the, the beauty of the World Cup is that people are always getting beat. You know, we always, we saw in the first group game, Argentina get beat. And, you know, there's no reason why Australia can't replicate that. Um, but the Argentinians, along with Lionel Messi, who is undoubtedly, you know, if not the greatest player of all time, um, is in those ranks as well. So it's going to be a very, very tough task. And finally, if you're a player in the Socceroos squad now and you saw the draw, we're taking on Argentina in the last 16 knockout phase, what would you be your feeling? Would you be saying, oh, gee, we've got a bad draw, we're playing Argentina, it's going to be really tough? Or you would, be, would you be really excited about the challenge of being on the pitch with the likes of Lionel Messi? I definitely think it'd be the excitement of, of playing the, the best. You know, as, as footballers, you want to be at the highest level and you want to play against the best. And I think this challenge, um, we definitely will see the best of the Socceroos trying to challenge themselves against the best. So, yeah, I think it definitely uh, one of excitement would be uh, going through everyone's mind. A couple of big games tonight, and Richard will be covering those. We've got Belgium, Croatia, and we've got Canada, Morocco. Morocco at the moment, which we'll be calling a, in a pretty good position to maybe uh, go through to the knockout stage, which is quite incredible. So look forward to your company tonight, mate, and uh, we'll continue on covering the World Cup. Thanks for your time on the program. No problem. Look forward to seeing you later. See you later. Richard Garcia joining us at 27 past six. Now we're going to think about the mind of what Graham Arnold as a coach is thinking because this man has been a very astute coach for many years. He also captained the Socceroos. He was a leader. Gary Morocchi joins us next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.
Great job, your company. Peter Vlahos here. Sports Day on a Thursday night. And I think everybody is just uh, in the slipstream of the Socceroos' glory at the moment. Just fascinating. It's a great event, the World Cup. Everybody gets involved with it. All different cultures, all different nationalities. You know, now you know why it's the biggest uh, sporting tournament on the planet every four years. Uh, just before we speak to our next special guest, just updating what's happening in the NBL. Uh, into overtime, actually, between the Brisbane Bullets and the Perth Wildcats. It's a Bullets lead 96-92. There's a great rear guard action by the Wildcats uh, late in that fourth quarter to take it to overtime. They're trailed by as much as about eight points with only a little time remaining, and they stormed home, and now we're into overtime. So we'll keep you up to date with that. But at this stage, it's the Bullets leading by four in the first period of overtime. Well, a man that's been a coach, a manager of football clubs uh, for a number of years. He was involved in the Perth Glory as the inaugural coach and as a man that played representative football for Australia. Unfortunately, never got to a World Cup. He played in that sort of barren era between 1974 and 2006 where so many tried but weren't successful. But since then, of course, since Australia has gone into the Asian Confederation, we're almost uh, there every four years, which is terrific. Even though this time around in 2022, there were uh, many who thought they wouldn't get to Qatar having to go through the qualification process in relation to the UAE and then Peru. Gary Morocchi joins us here on Sports Day on this Thursday. Gary, thanks for your time. Yeah, good evening, Peter. Great day. Did, did you expect that last night? Um, I, to be honest, I didn't think that we could beat the Danes, who obviously ranked 10th in the world, but what a fantastic day of celebration today with you know, all the, the video footage of Melbourne, Sydney, you know, Qatar. You know, the Australians have really celebrated very well. So it's a fantastic day for, you know, uh, the true football in this country. And it only happens in football. I was thinking about those celebrations. Like, you know, in Melbourne and in Sydney, uh, people came out on a working day at, uh, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to view the Socceroos, and there were thousands at Federation Square. And I was trying to think if it happens in any other sport, and I don't think it does, which shows the passion when it comes to the national football team. Well, it's certainly the passion, Peter, and it's a worldwide sport, and that's something that, you know, there's some of the other sports don't have that worldwide nature of their, their sporting contests. And, you know, when you get pitted against an overseas team, you know, the people get out there and they want to celebrate and, you know, they'd love... To, you can't always win every game, but uh, it's great to see when your country wins and you see all that euphoria after the matches and uh, it's fantastic to even just be there with them and, you know, I don't know what the team would be going through, Peter. Be, you know, they would be ecstatic and, uh, you know, it's a full credit to them. They, they've worked their bollocks off under a lot of criticism, uh, especially... Yeah, they, no one thought they would qualify, but to go to the round of 16, that is some achievement. It is. Uh, when you consider there's almost 200 nations that start the campaign in World Cup qualifications around the planet, and here they are, the Socceroos, in the final 16 of those couple of hundred countries. Gary, this question I asked to our earlier guests, and I'll ask it to you. Uh, when Australia finished second in their group, now they take on Argentina, who finished top, after their victory last night over Poland. Would the players be thinking post-match, damn it, we've been a bit unlucky that we've copped Argentina, it's going to be a tough match? Or would the players in Grey and Arnold be saying, 
This is fantastic. A chance to be on the same pitch as Lionel Messi and the magnitude of Argentina. Let's take them on. Which way do you think they'd be thinking? Well, I think uh, on the day, any team's beatable. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, they've got nothing to fear. At the end of the day, they can go out there, do their best. Uh, if it's, you know, if it's not enough to achieve a result, uh, bad luck. But uh, they've got to the round of 16. Not many other teams do. They're playing at, at a nation that's probably regarded as one of the favourites to win the tournament, who started badly. So yeah, hopefully we're not getting them when they're really getting into a good uh, run of form. But, you know, I think the players just got to focus. It's another game, but they've got to play as a team and contribute for the full 90 minutes. You know, who knows? The ball's round. They may be able to get a result. Interesting, isn't it? And when you look at it, there's been a lot of doomsdayers saying that defensively we will leak goals, and yet in the last two games there's been clean sheets. What does that say about the setup? Well, there was a lot of, uh, critis- not criticism, but justification because of the lack of game time for the two centre-backs that have played because um, Harry Sudo has been absolutely fantastic. He's only played virtually two games of football prior to the World Cup in 12 months. Going into a, you know that sort of competition with superstars playing and only having two games at a very low level as you're, you know, uh, you're training for the series. And, uh, you know, he's been exceptional. Don't be surprised if he makes a 30, 40 million pound transfer in the January window. And also Kai Rolls, who've come out of uh, Central Coast, he's been fantastic as well, Pete. He went to the Olympics, did really well with the Olympics, got a contract in Scotland, and he and Harry Souter have really knitted together, and uh, they formed the backbone of the team that actually hasn't leaked many goals, which is a yeah, you... which is great for the country, and they're quite young. You mentioned Harry Souter, you know Stoke City, who he plays for in the championship. All their supporters are saying, "Please, Harry, don't play that well," because they know they'll lose him maybe to a Premier League club or certainly to another club after what he's done in recent times so their for bank Australia. Would be a lot better, Peter, at Stoke City. <laughs> Now, when you look at the golden generation, Gary, in 2006, and Hus Hiddink was the coach there, Graham Arnold was an assistant. We've had Pim Verbeek, of course, another Dutchman. We've had these overseas coaches. You can even go back to Terry Venables. And, uh, of course, we were unsuccessful with him, the England uh, person, uh, the England star, as he was as a player and as a manager with Spurs for many years. Yet we've got Graham Arnold, who comes out of Sydney, has played football for Australia. He's just a local and he's got a bunch of lads that not many people gave a chance to, yet he's taken them to the last 16. So they've achieved what the golden generation did 16 years ago. What does it say? I know you've always been a strong supporter of backing localism, whether it be players or coaches. You've coached. You must be proud with what Graham Arnold has achieved. I think he needs to uh, really have a pat on the back, Peter. It's that fallacy that everyone sees uh, because the Europeans and South Americans are the better uh, ranked nations in the world that the better coaches come from there. You've got to be given an opportunity to do the job. And, uh, you know, Graham Arnold has certainly done uh, wonders in the job. He, you know, he did wonders when he was at Sydney. He started at Central Coast and, that, you know, they, they did very well. So it's all about getting an opportunity. And just because you come from a lower country doesn't mean that you can't coach a team. And, uh, you know, full credit to Graham Arnold. He had a lot of doubters. He was under a lot of criticism that he should have got sacked before the World Cup. He certainly answered his critics. And let's hope that, uh, you know, the country can 
have other Australian-born coaches that are doing the same thing. You only have to look at the, the Melbourne City coach who's now gone to France to coach a profession, the first, I think, in the Premier French First mm. Division as well. So, you know, they're starting to look, you know, Kevin Musket has won the league in Japan. Andy Postacoglu won the league in Japan. He took Celtic from nowhere to win the league and now he's the King of Scotland. So... The Australians are doing quite well in that regard. So let's hope we get many more coaches doing the same thing. That's fantastic. Patrick Kuznorba, of course, the Melbourne City coach now, going to be coaching in France. So when you look at it, uh, they beat Peru, who were ranked fifth in the qualification in South America. Uh, They were beaten 4-1 by France in their first World Cup game, and they've taken out Tunisia and Denmark, as you mentioned at the top of the conversation, the number 10 ranked uh, nation. Does Arnie look at what happened last night? And the other thing that I've been impressed with, Gary, is that many thought we would struggle to score goals. And the three goals that the Socceroos have scored have been all-class goals. You know, Goodwin, Duke, Leckie. They haven't been scrambled goals. They haven't been with an ounce of luck. Okay, Dukes took a deflection, but that was a brilliant header. They've been class goals, haven't they? So we've also been a bit more comfortable that we've got the ability to score goals, but many thought we would struggle. Yeah, certainly the case, especially last night, Peter. I think Denmark realised that they had to chase the game and, uh, you know, it was a very good opportunity for Australia when that ball came out to roughly the halfway line and then it got played through to Leckie. It was two against two at that time and Leckie did so well to uh, hold on to the ball, still run at pace at the defender, jink one way, jink the other, turn the guy inside out and then a great left-footed shot that went across the goalkeeper and... uh, tucked in at the far, you know, the far corner. It was a fantastic uh, goal and, you know, it didn't come out of the blue. It was a planned counter-attack and, uh, you know, uh, Leckie finished really well. And for me, that's an achievement that, you know, he's an A-League player, Goodwin's an A-League player. A couple of the A-League players have done really well. So, you know, maybe the A-League's going to get a little bit more credit than what, uh, you know, people give it. Good stuff, Gary. And as I let you go, do we start dreaming that we can beat Argentina? If we do... I reckon uh, this place will go mad. Australia will go mad, won't they? I think they will, but uh, um, let's just put it in perspective. We wish the players very well in their endeavours on the night. Go out, do your best. And at the end of the day, if the best is not good enough, they'll still have the full support of all the soccer supporters in this country. They've certainly done their country proud. Well spoken, Gary. Thanks for joining us, mate. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Thanks a lot, Peter. Keep in touch. Bye. Good on you. Gary Morocchi uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, joining me in this special edition of uh, Sports Day, focusing on the Socceroos' incredible achievement uh, in the early hours of this morning against Denmark. Uh, let's just update the Perth Wildcats before we take our final break. Uh, it was into overtime, and the scoreline is uh, Brisbane just... Pulling away now, uh, 106 to 95, 106 to 95 in overtime. So it looks like the Wildcats uh, maybe uh, exhausted all their energy in that comeback in regulation time. We'll take a break. Don't go away. Sports Day brought to us here on uh, by Kia on SENWA.
Yeah, great to have you, Cunny. Peter Vlahos here. The Brisbane Bullets have beaten the Perth Wildcats uh, after overtime, 106 to 95. So 11 point win. They careered away in overtime, and the Breakers basically have beaten South East Melbourne Phoenix, 110 to 84. And the Wildcats actually fly from Brisbane to New Zealand to take on the Breakers on Saturday. So they're certainly clocking up uh, their uh, frequent flyer points. Well, let's continue. David Short, me apologise, Shorty. We're a fraction late, but we've been just a little bit busy but never busy enough for you courtesy of tab touch shorty joins us who this morning i saw the video he was wearing his socceroos shirt you can catch it on the tab touch website every morning he's got the latest odds for the world cup how are you mate i'm really well thanks pete uh, you're right it was absolutely spectacular though last night there the socceroos pete you're a, an advocate one of the big football men in this nation you must have been absolutely delighted with what you saw there last night that was very special from the Socceroos yeah just uh, it was the Aussie DNA at its best uh, Shorty we talk about there's something special when you're an Australian sports person and the effort you give and they certainly gave a lot last night and by the way yellow is your colour Shorty you looked very good for those people that want to catch you <laughs> on the uh, tap touch side what is the market going forward some big games coming up tonight as well yeah, two big ones to kick off at 11 o'clock. We see Canada taking on Morocco. Canada, they're out of the tournament. They're 490 outsiders. The draw 340, all the cash here for Morocco into a dollar 79 from 210 earlier in the week. They need to win to go through. Uh, most punters think that they can. Croatia, Belgium, there's nothing between these two from a betting perspective. 265 Croatia, uh, 263 Belgium. The draw there at 330. Really important game. Belgium have been largely disappointing to this point. Be interesting to see the response tonight. And then into the 3 a.m. games tomorrow morning, Costa Rica, a big outsider at 23. The draw, $10. Uh, Germany have been truckloaded here at the shorts. There's been big money for over two and a half goals and over mm. three and a half goals. For Germany to progress, Pete, they need to win and win big. So it seems logical that the money would come there and Spain take on Japan in the final game. 140 for Japan, uh, pardon me, 144 Spain, 450 the draw and 854 Japan. Pete, well, I'll be hearing your dulcet tones tonight. Uh, which game have you got? That we yeah, no, I've got, I've got, I've been given Canada and Morocco tonight and it'll be interesting to see whether Morocco can hang on and of course get through to the last 16, which will be a huge feather in the Moroccans' camp. They haven't done it for 36 years, so I look forward to that. Shorty, um, saying that, uh, let's now change tack, the northerly Big Northerly Stakes Day on Saturday at Ascot as the Pinnacles continue. It's been a fantastic series, hasn't it? It certainly has. Yeah, day four of the Pinnacles out there on Saturday. And our feature race of the afternoon is a cracker. We see James McDonald in town uh, earlier in the week. He was uh, pronounced the world's leading jockey for his deeds throughout the course of 2022. So having him in Perth is a big deal there on Saturday. He teams up with the favourite in the Northerly Stakes Cascade and has been... 275 out of touch now to 290. On the second line, the star three-year-old Amelia's Jewel. She's three out to 340. Uh, the other three-year-old Bustler's there at $10. Treasured star, 13 to 11. Tricks of the trade, the railway stakes winner, 12 out to 13. And Alaskan God is there as a $15 chance with Steinem. But uh, Cascadian, you won't miss him in the field, Pete. He's a very handsome boy. He's got the big white blaze and he's a star. <laughs> He'll be uh, very popular out there on Saturday. Not only racing, not only World Cup, there's plenty of opportunities uh, to invest on sport, of course, uh, gamble responsibly. Uh, Shorty, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll keep in touch. Enjoy the remainder of the World Cup and people can catch you every morning by simply uh, getting onto Tab Touch on the Tab Touch app. Yeah.
Indeed, yeah, across all the social media apps and, uh, of course, on Twitter as well. Follow us at Tab Touch there. Pete, I look forward to your call of the game tonight. All the best. Good on you. Thanks, David Shaw. David Shaw, those with a touch, choose Tab Touch. Better your bet and download Tab Touch today. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. Uh, as I mentioned, the Wildcats have gone down by 11 points to the Brisbane Bullets. They're on their way tomorrow to New Zealand to take on the Breakers on Saturday. But uh, when they return home for their next home game, get behind the Perth Wildcats this season and head to ticketech.com.au. Uh, now, uh, to score maybe uh, one of uh, those great seats uh, at RAC Arena to cheer on your Perth Wildcats. Let's just update uh, what happened in the uh, cricket today. And it was certainly the batsmen that ruled the roost for both sides, actually. Australia were dominant. They declared it four for 598. Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne both scored double centuries. And Travis Head was out for 99, and in reply, the West Indies are no wicket for 74. And there is a test match between Pakistan and England. England, by the way, it's currently underway. Three for 422, and that's being played in Pakistan on a really, really flat track. So there you go. Uh, that brings you up to date. All thanks to our friends at Tyre Power for the sports and cricket update. And you can buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local Tyre Power store. And as I leave you, I'll leave you with some of the highlights today from the second day's play of the first test at Optus Stadium between Australia and the West Indies, the day where Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne scored double centuries. I'll see you Saturday morning on the Ladbrokes Lounge. Here are the highlights. As to Labuschagne, all pulls inside edge past the stump, streaky boundary. He's very lucky to survive that, Manus. It's on 93, full ball, taken off the toes, placed it wide of mid on. There's two in the deep. They converge to no avail. Beautifully struck boundary from Steve Smith. Chase bouncing away to Smith on 99. Bowls here, Smith. No, 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 no. Gets it past mid on <laughs> and gets himself a 29th Test 100, drawing level with Don Bradman. Certainly does chase to Smith on 1-9. Cuts it in front of point. Indeed, it's out towards cover. Great timing and placement. Seals to the crease here and Labuschagne drives through the offside. On to 200 he goes with a boundary. A lavish cover drive. 12 months ago, Labuschagne went to the top of the world rankings. And over the last day, that's exactly how he's played. Yeah. First ball from a new spell. Brathwaite gets the wicket. Labuschagne. Caught behind for 204. Seals is around the wicket to him. He's cutting in the air down to third man for four. Flew off the top edge. Holder bowls and Smith drives down the ground. That's the shot of the day. Off drive to die for there from Stephen Smith. He's 12th four of the innings up to 137. Slow through the end right, again. Bonner, Bonner. Chops down hard through cover. Finds a gap and gets a boundary. All eyes to Steve Smith who is clipping off his pads for the next milestone. It is the ninth time in Test cricket that Smith has gone through the 150-run barrier. It's making runs. He'll have 50 of them here as he clouts the ball out to points. <laughs> A typically rapid half-century from Travis Head. Brathwaite to finish to Smith. Off the back foot, outside part of the bat, down towards the rope, another boundary. Took the wicket of Labuschagne, he's going to open up after T, and he's bowling to Travis Head, who turns him around the corner and opens with a boundary.